Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, church. Everybody doing all right? Awesome, man. I'll tell you what, man. Baptisms, man, that book, fire me up. Boy, I'll tell you what. So God is doing a unique work. And so real quick, let's do a praise party. We didn't do this in the first hour, but I just want to thank the Lord for all he's doing and how good he is. Oh, what, what, y'all ready to go? Y'all jumping the gun. Let's just thank the Lord for all that, he's, that he has done, that he's currently doing, and yet to do. On the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, y'all. There you go. Yeah. That's what's up. Now, I know maybe the Houston Astros are not in the World Series. I know. Amen. Somebody said amen. But I know. But you know what, man? We serve a worthy king. Amen. He is so worthy. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We'll be parking there for the majority of the time. And uh, man, a great text, very familiar story in the Bible that we've all read before, whether growing up in Sunday school or you've heard it preached multiple times, but Luke chapter nine, we'll be starting in verse 12 and we'll be going all the way to verse 17, okay? And so let's do this, something else is different. If you have it, if you're able to stand, let's stand in honor of reading of God's word. Is that good? Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 12, and it reads this, Now the day begun to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we are here in a desolate place. Verse 13, But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied, and what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Amen. You may be seated. Something different, I know. He's kind of, man, we never stood up and reading God's word. It was always a new day for new something new. Amen. So I think it's honor uh, to give honor to the Lord in regards to the scripture. But, but this is it. We're going to conclude our series, Unshaken. We've been in a series for seven weeks. It's been fun. It's been a lot of Neat things taking place in the life of the church. I know for a fact that God has been ministering to many of you guys. Those watching online, thank you again uh, for joining us. We hope to see you in the days ahead. But this has been a great series. I think personally, I think for the church, I think uh, individually for you guys, corporately and individually, it's been a great, great series. Now today what we're going to talk about, we've talked about many different topics in regards to fear. But today what I want to focus on is this, fear for the lack of provision. Okay, God, will you come through? Will you come through? Have you ever asked those questions before? Lord, will you come through? Will you ever let me know what you're doing? Will you let me in on your divine meeting? Will you ever come through? And so today we're going to see some glimpses of what God desires to do 
in and through your lives as we trust him. Now, our text, the backdrop is this. The ministry is booming for Jesus. It's off the charts. His reputation is spreading. People are coming to him for various needs. I mean, you got people coming from everywhere, whether legitimate needs or illegitimate needs. They're still coming and they're pushing to see Jesus Christ. Now, he'd been teaching his disciples up until this point, too, about the intricacies of ministry, what they're going to be doing, how they're going to be um, serving the Lord, what ministry is going to look like um, once he departs and goes to the Father, what it's going to be like. So he's teaching them in light of all of these things, but at the same time, he's also describing to them um, the divine nature of who he is. He wants them to see that, and that's a massive caveat in regards to God's super um, affecting our natural. Because when that happens, supernatural things can actually happen. And so as we see in our text backdrop, again, these boys, they just came back from their internship. They're excited. They're telling Jesus about everything that they were able to see. And like, man, Jesus, we have, we're able to do this. And hey, Jesus, we were able to do this. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I know, little homies. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. And they're excited and, you know, all this stuff. They're so excited. And they're telling Jesus all this good stuff. And here it is, our text. We drop right here, right into Luke chapter 9 and verse 12. And the first thing I want us to see out of this text, this is mad crucial. This is encouraging as I'm studying the text through the week, but I hope it encourages your heart as we push forward. You ready for this? First thought from the text is this. Very simple. Jesus isn't interrupted by our lives. He's not interrupted by your life. He's not interrupted by your needs. He's not interrupted by your hangups or hiccups. He's not inconvenienced by the things that are pressing your life. As a matter of fact, he's actually inclined to them so much so as we see in our text, the Bible says in verse 12, now that they had begun to drone weary, I mean, they've been, they've been journeying a long day. It's been a long time. And as a matter of fact, Mark's account of this, and this whole account of feeding the 5,000 is in every single gospel. So I think the Lord was on to something when he included it in every single gospel account. But in Mark's account, something is very interesting, interesting that's picked up here. Mark goes, well, Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion on them. So he saw the crowd, he had compassion towards the people, but not only that, Mark, which is interesting because he wasn't a great grammarian like Luke, and so he, he picks up on some interesting details that Luke leaves out, which is very phenomenal. But he says that the people have been following Jesus for three full days. Three days wanting to be healed, wanting to uh, see him do miracles, whatever the case may be, but three long days, so much so they were far from their home. They're in a desolate place. They, they were far away, three days away. So much so, Jesus said, they're without food and I can't send them back home because why? They'll faint. Jesus was not inconvenienced by their plight. He's not inconvenienced by your plight. And let me just talk about the crowd. I think sometimes we, we, we all, let's see, we kind of romanticize crowds in the sense of, let me just dissect what a crowd is. A crowd consists of people and people consist of problems. I'm going to say it again. A crowd, they're following Jesus. And by the way, it says 5,000 men, give or take great theologians throughout the centuries, they say anywhere from 10 to 15 to even maybe 20,000 people are here when you add spouses and then even children. So you have almost a whole town staring at you. And Jesus goes, look, hey, guys, um, I'm not inconvenienced, but, but these boys, they're inconvenienced by the crowd. Notice what they say. Jesus, send them away. Send them away. Matter of fact, it's just us. We're kind of with you right now. It's a holy huddle, and I don't want anything else. Have you ever been there? You're so in, in tune and, and so personal with the Lord. You, you're so distracted and inconvenienced by other people. And here's the lesson the Lord wants to teach us. 
Your worship in private ought to spill out in public. You and I, as we spend time with the master, as you and I spend time with Jesus, we see this in the text. These boys say, send them away to their surrounding villages and countryside so they can find their own lodging and provision. The Lord says, I have a different plan. I have a different plan. Completely different. And, and crowds, man, they, you know, people, people are weird, man. People are weird. Chuck Swindoll said this. Ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. It'd be phenomenal, right? Just, just phenomenal. And the disciples, they missed it in this moment. They failed to realize that people literally are the mission. I'm going to say it again. People are the mission. I love what Josh, Pastor Josh said in the first hour, that um, we should never get to the place of seeing people come through the doors of the church and look at them as a, a mere number. No, Jesus stepped out of eternity on this stage of earth to die for souls, to die for you and I, to die for you, your intricacies, the hiccups, the hangups, the setbacks, all that stuff. He died, why? Because he's so in tune with you. And you need to hear this this morning. He's not inconvenienced by your life. He's not inconvenienced by your life. He's not even interrupted. As a matter of fact, he sees a crowd and he's like, man, I'm, I love this. I, I love these challenges. I love these opportunities. Why? To showcase his, his beautiful splendor and majesty. Well, it's funny because he's, he's not disgusted. I love this. He's not disturbed, not inconvenienced. He's not taken back. Think about your own life. Imagine these ragtag disciples and the drama that they had around Jesus but then think about your own life, all the shortcomings, all the doubts that you have, all of whatever it may be. And, and here it is. Jesus is showing us out of this story, a famous Bible story, a feeding of the 5,000. He's out of the gate. He's saying, look, I'm not interrupted or inconvenienced by you. Some of us, we need to hear that in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of everything going on, you need to know that God is not inconvenienced by any means. He's sovereign and he has a plan. Well, goes on to say this. Well, verse 13 our second thought from the text, he's not interrupted. We see this in verse 12, send him away. It's us, holy huddle, right? Jesus goes, no, it's about the people. It's about the people. It's, the people are the mission. And then second thought is this, focus on what you have. Focus on what you have versus what you don't have. Focus on what you have and what you don't have. Look at verse 13. But he said to them, all right, y'all have already heard it. Send them away, they get their own stuff. Man, it's a McDonald's right around the corner. Have them go to Mickey D's, right? No Mickey D's, amen. So, but the point is, send them away to find lodging and their own provision. We're in a desolate place. They got one thing right. It's interesting that you can be in a desolate place and still miss Jesus. It's interesting that in this text, the Bible says that they were in a desolate place and Jesus was right there. Are you in a desolate place right now spiritually? The Bible says, verse 13, but he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, notice this, check this out. Look at the focus. We have no more than five loaves and, and two fish. Unless we go and, and, and buy food for all these people, I mean, really, Lord, that's all we have to work with. And so I want to tell you this, that don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. And thinking about bread, like, you know, five loaves and some fish. See, bread, when I mention bread to some of y'all, y'all on this whole keto thing, right? <laughs> keto diet. Man, you know, keto diet. Keto diet, right? And so you're thinking carbs. You're thinking straight carbohydrates. Some of y'all, like, heart's starting to beat. Like, man, I can't handle bread, right? I can't handle bread. All right? Carbohydrates. But in the first century, right here, right here, in the first century, 
the people needing bread. And by the way, there was a small kid that just so happened to be in the area. And maybe he was coming too. He was intrigued by the miracles. Maybe he was going fishing. We don't know, nor do we have the privy uh, to understand why the Spirit put that in the text. But rest assured, this young man and this lunch that he had, God used it for the good. So it's interesting that even in this midst, he has some bread. And in this century right here, bread meant real life substance. It meant all that I have. It literally meant everything that I'm hanging on to. It meant real, real life. It's funny, old gospel song says this, um, you don't need a lot, just use what you got. Song goes on to say this, um, love, 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 just a little more love, right? Love, love, love. How many of y'all think we need some more love in our country right now? Amen, right? Inside the church, love, 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 just a little more love. Love, love, love. You don't need a lot, just use what you got. Love, 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 just a little more love. Then it goes, peace. Peace, 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 just a little more peace. Old school. You see the old church mother like this with the hat on? Man, y'all know them that back in the day. Peace, 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 just a little more peace. They go on that Hammond organ. You don't need a lot, just use what you got. Peace, 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 just a little more peace. And here's, what, here's the principle, you ready? Their focus was off. Jesus is saying, you don't need much. You got me. Amen. You don't need much, but you have me. And here's an interesting phenomenon. We went clay shooting back in the day at uh, the previous church I served at. Went clay shooting, took the whole staff, clay shooting. It was phenomenal. Every single person. So you got administrators, you got assistants, you got secretaries, you know, all the way up, you know, whatever. So we were all going and went clay shooting. And, you know, it was a very sad thing because I'm, I wasn't the best shot then, I've learned to hone in my, on my craft, amen. Uh, but, but at that point, I was horrible. And I didn't know how to tell people before. Have you ever tried to walk into a situation overconfident? But it turned out completely different, right? So I walked in this deal. We all get our guns. We got sign of waivers. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm sweating like a big dog. Boy, I'm like, man, because we got like little, one, one of my old um, um, co-workers, name was Je- her name was Jenny Taylor. Baller. Little Jenny. Small. Jenny Taylor. Baller. Jenny Taylor is on my team. We had all these different teams, broke up the staff. We get to our first deal, she shoot, boom, boom. First clay, one for one. I'm like, oh, snap. I got to hit a clay. I, I, I got to hit something, right? Not something, but something, right? And so here it is, boom, boom. She's two for two. Little Jenny. So here it is. She goes, this, she went nine for 10. She missed one. Here goes Rev, senior team, executive guy. Boom, boom. Nothing. <laughs> Pull, boom, nothing. Do you know we went to 10 stations and I didn't hit one single. Now, now we on staff, everybody like, you know, pride and like, you know, all the, you got to be like, you know, come on, man, brothers, y'all feel me in the room, man. This is bad. <laughs> and so we got to the back, got to the scorecard. Everybody, what'd you get? What'd you get? Everybody like, what'd you get? I'm like, I go to the bathroom, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to break wide, right? I got to get out of here. I got to go to the restroom. Tell Banyo. But the point is this. I, I, I learned something. I went again and some guys, men in my life, they said, man, look, man, look, look, look down a barrel and then adjust your eyes. Focus, your focus was off. And so we went again, not with the rest of the staff, but with some brothers, amen. Went again and I adjusted my focus. Pull. One for one. I said, oh, snap. Let's get it. We can go home. It's to drop the mic. Where Jenny at? Let me tell Jenny, right? Drop the mic. Boom. 
Do you know the rest of the day I hit 85% of those clay deals? It's on point. You say, Marcus, you proud of yourself. Good, I am. Amen. But here's the bigger point. You ready? Sometimes we get caught up on focusing on the wrong things instead of focusing on what God has already given us. Literally, throughout Scripture, we see this biblical principle. And for you, it may be this in the room. It's a trap. We can always find something else to focus on. We can always see something else in somebody else's life. We can always desire something else in somebody else's life. God, you're moving over here and not over here. We can always find something. It's a trap. It's a treadmill, if you will. But we can always find something. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's just the fact that, man, I need a new marriage. And you checking out everything else. And here's the deal. God is saying, no, use what you got. Maybe it's, it's just friendships. Maybe it's effectiveness. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's waiting on Mr. Right or, or Mrs. Right or, or a home or a child. I don't know what it is, but, but Jesus is saying this. I want you to know, based out of this text, focus on what you have and not what you do not have. Focus. Focus. Lock in. What do you see? The biblical principle, you see this with Moses with a, a mere staff, a stick in his hand. Now, we understand that it wasn't necessarily intrinsically powerful about the stick, but God said, for what it's worth, in Exodus 4, uh, Exodus 4, God said, Moses, what's in your hand? He wanted Moses to recognize what he had and that God was going to use that. God had a nerve to say, what do you have? He already knew what Moses had, but he asked a question. God is saying the same thing to you. Look at Elijah and the widow with the oil in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. What about Samson and the donkey, the, the jawbone of a donkey, and slaying thousands of people in Judges 15, 16? Well, maybe God is saying for you, you need to stop focusing on other stuff, but, but refix your focus. Refix your focus. Focus on what you do have. And then here's the next thought. You ready? Limited sources or resources plus Jesus equals more than enough. Now, this is not a fancy formula. This is not rocket science. Everything is just coming straight from the text. Look at, verse, look at verse 16. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, let's, let's pause right there. You see the comma? I want you to see something. Before this, this passage right here, 16, Jesus gave them a command in 15. He says this. He said, 14, excuse me. He says, for they... For there, he says, here it is, for there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, he said to the disciples, you can't miss this, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Look at verse 15, and they did so. This is big, because a lot of times we want to see God move in powerful ways in our lives, whether provision, whatever it may be, and we're not obeying him in some things he's already telling us to do. Because in the text, you see, at the moment they, they did exactly as he said, then he gave thanks. Hey, Bible students, trust me, do not overlook this. This is serious. The moment that they did exactly what the Lord had commanded them to do, the Bible says, and then the Lord lifted up the, the wheat bread and the, and the fish. Well, here's the point I want to make. You ready? Their counting was off. They didn't count right. The disciples only counted seven things that they had available to themselves. Five loaves, two fish, wheat bread, some salmon, whatever. 
but they missed out on one thing. And I'm afraid to say this, church, I think we miss out a lot on this thing. They missed out, they should have counted eight. Five loaves, two fish, and Jesus. Like literally. It's not rocket science. I want to tell you this real quick. Ready? This is a great book by J.I. Packer, Knowing God. He says this about God's provision, about God's provision in the Christian life. It's in chapter 20. If you know this, if you have this book, I encourage you to read it. If you don't, man, get a copy. It's phenomenal. He says, to many Christians, it's chapter 20, guidance is a chronic problem. Guidance, a chronic problem. Why? Not because they doubt that divine guidance is a fact, but because they are sure it is. They know, talking about the Christian, they know that God can guide and has promised to guide every Christian believer. Books and their friends and the public speakers tell them how guidance has worked in their own lives and the lives of others. Their fear, catch this, is this. Therefore, it's not that no guidance should be available for them, but that they may miss the guidance which God provides through some fault of their own. In other words, the old hymn says this, he, he writes this, God me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thine powerful hand. Bread of heaven, the psalmist writes, bread of heaven, feed me now and evermore. But he goes on to say this, they have no doubt that God is able to both lead and feed. Are you here? As they ask. But they remain anxious because they are not certain of their own receptiveness to the guidance that the Lord may offer. You and I, it's not that the Lord doesn't want to provide. I think a lot of times it's just our receptiveness. Being receptive. Understanding that, man, I have little, but you know what? That's enough with the Lord. I'm ready to receive, God, what you have for me. My wife, Mandy, when it comes to math, she is, um, she is a genius. Got her, math or math, math, uh, her master's in mathematics. I can't even say it. That's how bad it is, right? She got her master's in mathematics. I mean, who goes to school and get their master's in mathematics? But she did. I mean, calculus. I don't even know how, I don't even, after algebra, I don't even know what happened. And so, but geometry and all these other advanced calculus, as far as calculus can go, she took it. She got A's and B's all the way through. More A's than B's. Had I been in her class, it would have been like this. <laughs> don't, don't sit there and play with me, y'all. Y'all be, be doing the same thing. But here's the deal. When it comes to math in our house, she gets it. Boom, bang. She thinks differently. She processes differently. And that's just my wife on this side of heaven, a fallen lady saved by the grace of God. How much more is God's economy completely different in, reg in regards to counting? In regards to perspective, in regards to focus, if we fix our eyes on him, how much different is his focus than ours? I'm telling you what, saints, it's way different. And here's the beautiful piece. They did what God told them to do, and then the Lord lifted it up. Let me challenge you with this. Loaves unblessed, loaves unblessed are loaves unmultiplied. What's, what's the loaves in your life? I'm not getting over spiritual with this text, but... The, 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 the challenge is this, that they put it in Jesus' hands. That's the good thing about this text. They actually put it in his hands. And I want to encourage you, some of us, we need to literally give whatever he's calling us to give him, put it in his hands, because unblessed loaves is unmultiplied loaves. 
And I want to encourage you, maybe it's just faith. Maybe it's just simple stuff. Like, man, I don't have enough faith to, share, to, uh, to be bold for the gospel. Hey, give it to the Lord. I'm not going to give you a litany list of what to actually put in there, but I want you to think about what's, what's that thing that you need to put in Jesus' hands? What is it? We all have something. We all have something. But he thinks completely different. His ways are completely different than our ways. Do you know in John 6, 35, he said this, that I am the bread of life. They counted different. They counted seven. They should have counted eight. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is Jesus talking. And this miracle that he's going to perform here in the text, he's not doing it for publicity. He's not doing it for marketing. He's not trying to wow the people. He's not trying to um, impress the people. He's doing it for this reason. You ready? Jesus' miracles demonstrate what it looks like when the kingdom of God or the rule of God impacts the reality of ours on this side of heaven when we trust him. When we really go, God, here it is. I'm putting it in your hand. The reality of this side affects this side. And he wants to see us to see this biblical principle. Jesus, with you, I have little, but I'll put it in your hands and it's much as a result. It's much. So here it is where he's just saying, hey, look, this is the gospel. That's it. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this one question. What do you need to place in Jesus' hands? As we close this series, really think about it. What do you need to place? What do you need to place in Jesus' hands? Because a lot of times what we do, we put it in his hands and we take it back. Can I be real in here? We put it in his hands and we try to take it back. Jesus is saying, this is a great text to see these biblical principles jump out. Okay. And then lastly, it's very interesting. God desires to use you to bless others. Now, I've studied this text. I've taught the text before, but this jumped out. Not in the sense, yes, you can see Jesus uses the disciples. I I see that. But there's a, a, a deeper picture when it comes to the church. There's this crazy picture of, because remember, the, the backdrop, context, he's preparing the disciples to be on the forefront of the church. He's going to literally start the church with these boys. He wanted them to see some intrinsic um, attributes of him, his power, how he moves, how he's worked, that he's able, that God is able, he can do what he, he said he's going to do. But then also, the fact that literally what God gives to us, stewards to you and I, from heaven, from his hands to our hand, we ought to steward well to bless other people. Amen. You say, Marcus, where do you get that? Look at verse 13. Journey with me here. You ready? But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Now, that's just cruel, right? Now, they said, hey, we go buy food for them. Now, by the way, that would have been eight months of wages. That's, the demand was right there. It was right before him. Eight months? We can't come up with eight months worth of money to, to, to buy food, but it was right there. But Jesus says this, you go feed them. He put the onus on them. Literally, he put the onus on each disciple. Luke, being a physician, would have, it would have been interesting had he said, hey, he, he told Peter, go feed him. It would have been interesting had he said, hey, Matthew, I want you to go, go feed him. Hey, Bartholomew, I want you to go to go feed him. No, he said, no, 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 no. I want you. Why don't y'all go feed him? The people. He put it on them. Do you know everything that comes to your hand, God wants to leverage for his kingdom in some way or another? My wife and I, we want to get out of debt. We're not in bad debt. We paid off student loans and all this other stuff. Um, We got her van paid off. Praise the Lord. It's not a bragging deal. I'm just happy to pay something off. Amen. 
right? And so, but then I smacked the curb. Y'all know that story. Had to get in the truck. Man, truck tow up from the flow up, right? So I'm thankful, but we got, you know, a little bit more debt. Because but it's all good. But we want to get out of debt. Not just to get out of debt. But we pray this for our marriage. We want to get out of debt so we can bless other people. Like, that, like that's why we have what we have. I like how it's like a couple claps. Some people are like, it's killing some of y'all like... Y'all missing hands and smacking the person next to you. Literally, we, we desire, babe, my lion, we want to be freed up financially to be a representation out of this text. That God, if this is true, you, you desire to use us to bless other people by your supernatural means, by your provision to us, then therefore leverage that for the kingdom of God to steward and to bless other people. We want this to be the reality in our lives. So whether it looks different in everybody's life, I don't know what that may be for you, but for us, it's this. We want to sponsor um, Compassion Kids through Compassion International. Now we want to, man, come on. We, and as a church, by the way, uh, we have a big emphasis coming up in regards to that, but we want to we wanna do that. But not only that, we want to be able to just bless somebody, maybe somebody we heard about, and it's amazing how God can put on somebody's heart your need. And they can be in a different state, but God is sovereign. He knows how to do that. But we want to be available to go, okay, God, not just send the people away, not be inconvenienced by them, not be interrupted by their, their need or their pressedness, if you will, of their plight. We want to be so much so tied to you and fellowship with you, but that worship literally spills out in the living room of life. And we want to be a blessing to other people. Literally, that's what we want. And here we see it in the text. I love it. He tell them boys, you go feed them. You do it. Obviously, again, they had to go through his hands. And I want to tell us this real quick, just in the body of Christ. I'm going to give you some on-ramps. For one, giving, being faithful with your tithes and offerings. It's funny, uh, Joby Martin, my buddy, he goes, God is not after your money. He's after your heart. He, he, doesn't, need, he doesn't need our money, but it's something he stewards. Jesus says, give me the five loaves and a fish. Put it in his hand. And then God did something great. For you and I, it's whatever comes to us. We want to steward for the kingdom of God. But I'm going to tell you this. A lot of us, we don't think that way. We see what we have as ours, right? I worked hard for this. Do you know that you came into the world with nothing? And you will leave with nothing. Do you know that you were created not just for time, but for eternity? And once that happens, once you have a gospel focus, remember, I'd have hit no clays. I had to get some stuff right. When you realize you have this gospel perspective now, I want to wear these lenses, you'll realize, you know what, really, nothing really belongs to me. I want to leverage everything I have for the kingdom of God. But until we get to that point, you will always forfeit an opportunity to be used by God to further his kingdom. It's crazy. He uses these boys to hand out. I can imagine the faces of the people receiving the bread. Can you see him? Thank you. Now, again, people follow Jesus for different reasons. He's the bread of life. We understand that. He had this physical satisfaction take place, but he was more so concerned about the soul. Can you see their faces? What about the, what the disciples learned in that moment? 
Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been used by the Lord in a magnificent way? Like a real powerful way. A way that can't be explained by just, by you. But I'm talking about really being used. And some of us today, God is saying, I want you to realize something. Put it in my hands, whatever it may be, and watch me use it for my glory, but yet you're good. Watch it happen. We see this in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, or just bring whatever you have into the storehouse. That it, he said that my house may be filled with food, filled with food. And he says, and thereby, he says, put me to the test. This is the only place in the Bible that the Lord says, put him to the test. Put, him, put me to the test. Test him. What, what you and I own and how we steward it is an indicator of the health of our, our soul and our hearts. So in other words, how you steward what God has given you, as we look at this and how God wants to use us to bless other people, how we steward what God gives us, whether keep it to ourselves, spiritual hoarders, or we want to be an open hand used by the Lord, what happens is this. It's an indicator of what's going on on the inside of your heart. It's an indicator of spiritual growth and health. He says, well, guess what? Test me at this, says the Lord. He said, watch. And I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you will not have enough room to keep or store. That's scripture. Now, it's funny because I, I never he I heard anybody say, I don't want to be blessed. I know some, some shaky theology out there. I'm not talking about that, guys. That's not what I'm talking about. But I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed by the Lord. Amen. Like literally. Amen. Right? You say, oh, pastor, what you talking about? I would love to be a fly, on the, a fly inside your car going home, and here you go. Man, that service was great. I don't want to be blessed. I don't think nobody's going to say that. It's funny that we all want to be blessed, but we don't want to be the blesser. It's amazing that we want the crown, but we don't want to carry the cross. At some point, you and I have to trust the king. At some point, you and I have to really go, God, this is, it's all yours. Use it. Because what, what I want in my life, I want to be blessed, but I also want to be broken. And I want to be a giver. Blessed, broken for him, but be a giver. Here's some on-ramps. You ready? Operation Christmas Child. You see this? We have them at each door, I believe. Grab one. It's a box. Be a blessing. You know, some kids will get this in some countries. Um, and if you're online, you can come to the office throughout the week. We'll have them at the doors ready for you. You can grab one, grab two, three, four, ten, twenty, whatever you want to do. That's fine. But you just fill it with some goodies. They tell you. They walk you through it. Man, this is an easy on-ramp to be, okay, God, I want to, you take care of them. Here's an on-ramp. Simple. As a family, you can do it. As an ABF, you can do it. But I will, I'm going to challenge you, church, on this. There should be no boxes left. There should be none left. Easy on rim. What about church in the park, the, the clothes drive we're doing in Houston? Blessing people with clothing, if you will, in this, the cold days coming up. Bless them. If you got it, man, again, why do you have it? Ask the question, why do I have what I have? What about Moses' closet? Helping out with our foster care and being a blessing to the foster care system 
here in the woodlands and beyond. Let me just let me just say this real quick. I want to pray over this, but I'm gonna do this. Let's pray this prayer here. You ready? And we're gonna sing. And uh, but for some of us, you may say, "Man, I, I I'm not broken." It's amazing that you and I sometimes got to get to the bottom. Boom. The bottom. Hit rock bottom. And realize that it's the Lord and really realize that it's the Lord that you need. And he is down there to receive you. He is the bottom. You say, man, spiritually, man, you know, I, I don't even know the Lord. I, 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 it's been about all religion. It's about what, let me put on enough spiritual makeup to make myself look good for the king. And I'm going to tell you something. You cannot put on enough makeup. The makeup of the world is religion. It's works. It's your resume against God's resume. Never add up. Because resumes, y'all know this, they always equate to the good stuff that we, I've never seen somebody submit a resume to me and say, man, I, Man, I'd be cheating on stuff. And, man, I'd be cutting corn. I'd be clocking out early. You never see that. It's all our good stuff. Everything good. Awards, accolades, all stuff. Everything's good. But when you put it up to Jesus' resume, that literally he gives us his righteousness, that we're fallen, broken, sinful, but he gives you and I his righteousness. So right now, just for you, we're going to pray in just a little bit. You say, Marcus, I don't have this relationship. I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. It's been straight up religion. Literally religion. Religion, religion, religion. In this moment, the Lord is saying, "Uh -uh. come to me. Let's stop. I'm not interrupted by your life. I'm not interrupted by the things that you're going through. I'm not interrupted about your past. I'm not inconvenienced about the things that you're dealing with right now. He's not inconvenienced. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he's so on point when it comes to this. He died on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. Amen. He dealt with it. So right now, what you do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Straight up. If you don't think you're that bad, you'll never see grace as that good. I don't need it. But Lord, I admit right now that I am a sinner. The issue is with me, not with you. And I need a savior. Lord, come into my heart right now, right now, and save me. This is what I believe about you. That you died in my place. You're the perfect sacrifice. You satisfy the Father's wrath 100% when it comes to sin. You took my judgment. Man, thank you. That now if you come into my heart, Lord, please save me today. Thank you for saving me. I'm turning. I'm repenting. That's just basically saying I'm having a, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart and action. I want to put my faith and trust in you and your work alone for a personal relationship so that I can actually see my life leveraged for the kingdom. I can experience this great relationship with you. Yes, I'm saved. I can spend eternity with you. But Lord, you have an assignment for me on this side of heaven too until you call me home. For the rest of us, you ready? Let's put that prayer back up. Let's say this. I'm going to pray it over you real quick. You ready? Heavenly Father, 
I place all of my life in your loving hands. Even when I don't understand, is that you? Help me to fully trust you. Thank you for your good plans. Not somewhat, not iffy, but good plans for me. In Jesus' name, amen.